Oh, awesome job, Ben. I just invite everyone to take a seat right where Whoa. And a uh, big warm welcome to everyone joining us tonight. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Joshua Kugel. And tonight we are in part four of a four-part series we've been doing here at Beyond called The Bible for Normal People. Now, uh, tonight is the final part. And before we go any further, I wanted to begin by making a confession to you guys. Because up until a few years ago, I didn't believe that the Bible was for normal people. In fact, I thought the Bible was for anyone uh, but a normal person. Uh, is it going to stop? Lovely. Um, I thought the Bible wasn't for normal people. I thought the Bible... No, it's not for Maybe now. It's going to stop. Yep, no, it's going to stop. Lovely. Techies, do I just continue on? Lovely. This is going to work splendidly. Awesome. Um, well, welcome again, guys. Part four of a four-part series, The Bible for Normal People. Big confession I wanted to open up with at the start of this message before we go any further is the fact that I didn't believe that the Bible was for normal people up until a couple years ago. In fact, I believed that the Bible was for anyone but a normal person. Um, I thought the Bible was for two particular types of people, really, really old people. And um, if you weren't a really, really old person and you liked reading the Bible, then you were just a really, really old weird person. And in fact, if you read a Bible or just read a book in primary school or high school, I just thought you were weird because um, all I liked was numbers. In fact, I got through the whole of my schooling uh, life without reading one single book. Sparknotes saved me. Uh, So got through past, believe it or not. Reading wasn't my thing, but I certainly didn't believe that reading the Bible was for normal people. I thought it was for old people and weird people because of my own personal experience. See, I grew up in a Christian family, and I grew up going to church every Sunday. And when you're a little kid going to the church I was a part of, you would kind of break off from the adults and you would go off and hang with the little kids and you would hang with them until you got to about 14 years old and you go to this thing called Sunday school and you had really, really old people tell you about the Bible. And all of a sudden I thought, hey, really, really old people are teaching me the Bible. So that's a really, really old person thing. And then when you get to 14, you graduate from Sunday school and you go to adult church and um, you get to be in with the adults. And I looked around and I could see nobody under the age of 40. And that was really the, the nature of the church I went to. There was three age demographics. Really, really young kids, the parents of really, really young kids, and really, really old people who were probably retired on the verge of dinosaur era. Like, that was kind of the church I was a part of. And that's not to say anything bad about the church I went to, but it made me grow up to believe that the Bible was for old people. And if you weren't an old person, then you were just a little bit weird. And maybe for you, when you think about the Bible, you think, that's not for normal people. That's not for me. That's not for people living in the 21st century. That's for people who were 
um, living a long time ago. Like who uses words like thee and thou and shall and shall not? You don't use those words in everyday language. And so it makes us conclude, hey, what are we supposed to do with this Bible thing? Maybe it's an old person thing. And if that's you, don't worry, because tonight's message is for you. Um, Because I believe that, yeah, while it may be weird, it may actually change your life as well. In part one of this series, we said, hey, the Bible, you can actually trust what's in it. There's actual um, historical evidence to suggest that the Bible is factual. And then in parts two and three, we talked about some things containing to the story of the Bible to help you understand what's going on, understand its major plot, and understand how to read it. And you've been here for parts one, two, and three, some of you guys, and you've been sitting here thinking, wow, that's great. Sure, it might be true. Sure, I might know better now how to read the Bible, but why should I want to read the Bible? Like, throughout the series, you said, hey, we want you to read your Bible. And you're like, cool, well, the reason why I don't read my Bible is not because I don't know how to. I just don't want to, because why should I want to? There's a whole lot of other historically accurate pieces of literature that have been preserved throughout history that, which we don't read. And that's not because we don't have access to them. And it's not because they aren't factual. And it's not because they're not interesting. We don't read them because we don't see the relevance to our life, how they're relevant to what's going on in our everyday lives. We go, we, we look at YouTube, we read the latest books. In fact, when we're at uni, that's what we're told by our lecturers. Read the latest articles, read the latest books, because the older something becomes, the less relevant it becomes. And we kind of apply this thinking when we, when we look at the Bible and we go, hey, what can a 2,000 plus year old book teach me about life? How is it relevant to my life? And if you're in that boat, you don't read your Bible and you don't see its relevance, uh, you're in good company, believe it or not. See, 55% of Australians don't have a Bible. And those who that have a Bible on average will open it up three times a year. So not a lot of Bible readers out there. So if you aren't one, you're in good company. So don't worry. But As I said, I used to believe that the Bible wasn't for normal people, but there's been a change in my thinking. There's been a shift in my perspective, and now I believe that the Bible is valuable and important for everyday people like you and me, that it's valuable and important for everything that's going on in our lives. And to kind of, and tonight, that's what I really want you to walk away knowing, is knowing that uh, why the Bible is valuable and important and why you may want to read it. And so to kind of explain and answer that question, I want to bring you in on a little bit of a letter that Paul would have written to this guy that he was mentoring called Timothy. And in it, he articulates just why the Bible is valuable and important. And he begins by uh, saying this, and he says, Since childhood, talking to Timothy here, so that's not really relevant to us, but since childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which is known as the Bible. And this is where he explains why it's so important. The Holy Scriptures, the Bible, that help you to be wise in the way that leads to salvation. Through faith, that is in Jesus Christ. Now, in a moment, we're gonna, um, Paul's going to go on and explain a little bit further why the Bible is so valuable and important. But I just want to pause 
and stop here for a second and ask you this all-important question. What else has the ability to make you wise in the way that leads to salvation? We're going to get real deep for a second, and it's going to sound really, really ominous, um, but the reality is that you're going to die one day. No ifs, no buts, no maybes. You will die one day. It's a fact of life. It's a fate that none of us can escape. And yet, the climax of the story of the Bible and the message of it is that that death doesn't have to be the end of your story. That the climax of the story of the Bible is that Jesus stepped into history, that he died for the sins of the world. And he did that to set you and I free from sin and death so that we could be, uh, so that death would not be the end of our story. And through his death, he extended the gift of forgiveness and extended the gift of eternal life. And through faith in him, we receive that gift that gift of salvation. Salvation is the reason why reading the Bible is important. Not because reading the Bible qualifies you for salvation. Rather, reading the Bible reveals the person in whom salvation is only found, which is Jesus. And that's really the, the major question that the Bible seeks to answer. The primary question that the Bible seeks to answer is, who is God? Who is this God character? God gave us and has worked through history and um, allowed us to have these documents so that we could know who he is. So that we wouldn't be guessing as to who he is, but we could know with confidence that he is a God who loves us immensely and that um, has extended grace and mercy to us a God that is for us. And as you read the Bible, you will begin to discover this for yourself. So salvation is one of the major reasons why you should read your Bible. The other reason Paul goes on to explain uh, in his next sentence, and he'll say this, every scripture, which is every verse and everything that's written within the Bible, is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, showing mistakes, correcting, training in character so that the person that belongs to God can be equipped to do everything that is good. Teaching, showing mistakes, correcting, training in character, being equipped to do everything that is good. The purpose of reading the Bible is not to gain information, but it's actually about life transformation. Paul doesn't write that um, you should read your Bible so that you can know all the answers, that you should be able to, uh, you should read your Bible so that you can pass some entrance exam to get into heaven when you die. No, he says the purpose of reading the Bible is that your life is actually transformed from the inside out. That through reading the Bible that your mind and your heart would be transformed in such a way that you would be filled with thoughts and feelings of love, compassion, joy, truth, and hope. And that through the transformation of your mind and your heart, that your life would freely flow, uh, freely flow from your life would come grace and love. And that you would become a person who is quick to forgive. Someone who is quick to listen and slow to speak. Someone who is patient, reflective, and compassionate with others. Someone who is not quick to judge 
This is the life in which Jesus is pictured for us. And it's the reason why we should maybe want to read the Bible because uh, when you read the story of the Bible, it's so clear that God has a plan and a purpose for every single person's life. And through reading it, we begin to understand and discover that hope and that purpose and that plan. And we understand how we are to live within that amazing hope and plan. Life transformation is the reason and is the purpose for reading the Bible. Now, if you're not, uh, if you've never read the Bible, you, you still know this. Life transformation is not equated to reading the Bible. Like, if you read the Bible, you can still not live a transformed life. You can know a whole lot about God, you can know a whole lot about Jesus, and still not live a transformed life. And there's so many examples of this. All you have to do is turn on the news, and you'll see uh, um, reporters uh, reporting these stories about priests uh, who are within the church, who know their Bible extremely well, committing these horrific acts of sexual assault and sexual abuse. These horrific acts which God would never condone, which you will not find one Bible verse within the entire Bible that supports or encourages that type of behavior. And yet we have these well-educated, these well-versed Bible readers committing these horrific acts. That, my friends, is not because of a lack of information but a lack of life transformation. It's the reason why when some of you think about Christianity, you think about a group of judgmental people. Jesus never taught that his followers to judge others. He taught that their role was actually to show compassion to others, to love others unconditionally, even if they were their enemies. Jesus said, love them just as I have loved you. And yet we have Christians judging others and being known as judgmental people, being known as hypocrites. And the reason why the word hypocrite is often used to describe Christians is not because they lack information, but because that information, what they have read within the Bible, is never translated into life transformation. And if you're a Christian, none of us want to be a hypocrite. None of us want to be a hypocrite. And my encouragement to you is to read your Bible in such a way that would lead to life transformation. And even if you're not a Christian, my hope for you is that you would read your Bible in such a way that your life would be transformed and that you would discover this hope, this plan, and this future that God has for you because it is a hope and a plan that far exceeds anything we could ever dream and imagine. Which raises this all-important question. It's a question I want to spend the rest of our time answering. And it's this, how do you read for life transformation? Because I don't want you just to read your Bible. I want you, your life, to be transformed through reading your Bible. There's no point in reading it and only becoming head smart. The purpose is life transformation. But how do you do that? Because there's one way you can read the Bible and only um, gain information and there's another which leads to life transformation. And Jesus understood there was a difference. He understood there was a difference in these two approaches. And he, in a talk that he would give that's documented in the book of Matthew, describes these two different approaches to reading the Bible. 
and he does this by illustrating, uh, drawing an illustration between a smart carpenter and a stupid one, a foolish man and a wise man. And he begins with the smart carpenter and he says this about him. If you work these words into your life, that is the words that you read when you read the Bible, if you work these words into your life, you are like the smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing, uh, nothing moved the house. It was fixed to the rock. And then he paints us this picture of the smart uh, carpenter and he compares it and puts it alongside the stupid carpenter, the foolish man, and he says this, but if you use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like the stupid carpenter, the foolish man, who built his house on the sandy beach. When the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. And Jesus puts these two beside each other to kind of draw and paint us a picture because the difference between the smart carpenter and the stupid carpenter is one thing. The smart carpenter is the one who works the words into his life. The one who takes the information and uh, works it in and makes it a part of the fabric of his everyday life. Whereas the stupid carpenter doesn't. It just, he just reads the words and they remain nothing more than words on a page. And they never impact his heart or his life. See, there's a difference between reading for information and reading for life transformation. Reading for information is easy, and you probably know this uh, because you study for exams like this, because it's a great way to study for exams. Read and retain. Read as much as you can, read as many books as you can, read for as long as you can, and remember as much as you can. Gain as much information so that when the test comes, you'll be able to answer the questions when they come up. You'll be able to prove your point when you get in that argument, when you have to get, get up and give a presentation. And it's brilliant for uni. It's brilliant for high school. It's brilliant for passing exams and tests. But it doesn't lead to life transformation because it only informs the mind. But for life transformation to occur, your heart and your life, it needs to come out in your actions. It can't simply stay in your mind. For life transformation to occur, you need to change the way you approach your reading. You need to read, reflect, and respond. Read because reading informs the mind. Reflect because reflecting allows what you have read to move from your mind and intersect with your heart. It helps you to understand just how this 2,000-year-old teaching relates to your uh, situation in the 21st century. It helps you to draw that link, draw that application. And from that, there needs to be a response. For information that is applied is what truly leads to life transformation. That's why we're so big on application here at Beyond. Because information alone doesn't lead to to life transformation. It's applied information. It's responding to what we have read and heard, which really, truly transforms our life. And I'm going to be honest, this is the, the approach I want you to apply if you're going to read the Bible, or when you read the Bible. And at the very end of tonight's message, I'm going to challenge you to read your Bible, 
Because as I said, I believe it's valuable and important for every single person. For it will make you wise in the way that leads to salvation and it will transform your life in an incredible way if you allow it to. So, but for you to apply this, you've got to obviously flesh it out. What does reading mean? Well, I think we all know what that one means, but what does reflecting mean? What does responding look like? And so I want to flesh out these three steps. I want to start with step one, which is read. And um, off the data, uh, it, it kind of dawned on me that over half of you or just under half of you probably don't have a Bible. And um, I'm no Einstein, but uh, I think that will make a, a little bit difficult to read your Bible. So um, I wanted to put a Bible in every single person's hand. And if you have a smartphone, you have a Bible, believe it or not, and you are more than welcome to get that out right now and download this app called the Version Bible app. The Version Bible app, it's 100% free. If you just put that in the Google Play Store, the App Store, if you're still using Apple and you're still um, kind of putting up with uh, low battery all the time, um, more than welcome uh, to convert, um, but that's something I did. But um, download this app, the Version Bible app, great app, 100% free. Once you download it, you'll, um, you'll have to create an account. Don't worry, they're not going to spam email you. Um, that's always my big fear when I download an app and I have to put my email in. They're not going to do that. You download that app and eventually once you get into it and you've created an account, you want to do this thing and select a helpful translation. Um, when it comes to the Bible, there's a whole heap of different translations. Um, it originally wasn't written in English. It would have been written in Hebrew and Greek, and it was written a long time ago, uh, like 3,000, 2,000 plus years ago. So um, it's a little bit clunky sometimes, and every, um, every couple years, there'll be a group of people who come out and go, hey, let's make the Bible as accessible and easy to read for everyday people today. And probably the, one of the best translations going around at the moment is called the NLT translation just puts it in simple easy to access language there'll be i promise you there's no these there's no thou's there's no shalls there's no shall nots nothing um to fear whatsoever you'll be able to understand it nice and clear and the final thing would be um because as we said part two uh the bible there's no start point uh, it, it's, it's not chronological, so the big question is like, where do I start? Which book? 66 books. Like, which one do I pick? And I'm indecisive, and like, what do I do there? I can't pick what I want for lunch, let alone which book to read in the Bible. So, which book? I've picked one for you. Um, there's four books that document the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And of those four, the shortest one is Mark. So I did you a favor and I picked you Mark. 16 chapters, it'll take you less than two hours to read if you read it from woe to go. And um, you can do that on your own, um, but if you want to kind of have it stepped out for you and for there to be a little bit of a plan that tells you how much to read every day, um, you can start this plan called Questions for Mark, uh, which just kind of outlines it over a, a few days and it'll take you through the book and it's called questions for mark and I, I like this one because it actually gives you questions to reflect on after you read it so that you have the opportunity to take it from head to heart but if um you don't have that or you just want some extra questions to ask um we're on to step two and step two of um 
is reflect. And I, I got five questions. There's a lot of questions I know, but they're quite simple. And you're not always going to have an answer to every question. And don't put a lot of pressure on yourself to have an answer for every question. But step two of reflecting is about, it's about taking that information up and making it relevant to your life and seeing how it applies to your life. And it's a step that we often miss, but if you miss this step, the third step, you just, it's not going to make sense. You're not going to know how to do it. So first question is a super simple question to go is like, what's happening? What's happening in the story right now? What did I just read? What happened? And then after reading what, after answering that question, you got the all important question of like, why is it happening? Why did that guy punch the guy in the face? Like, why did Jesus say that? Like, what is going on and why is it going on? The next question is like, and this is a super important question. It's a question we often miss. But like, what does this teach me about God? As I said, the primary question of reading the Bible that the Bible seeks to answer is, who is God? So what does this teach me about God? And that's actually a more of a relevant question that you might at first appear. Because the more you understand who God is, the more you'll understand who you are. And the more you'll understand how much you can trust and hope in this God, who the Bible is all about. You'll understand that God is with you and for you, and that you can have this unbelievable confidence as you walk through life. The next kind of question, and this is where we get more um, application-focused, is um, how does this relate to my life? How does this tension, how does this story, how does this teaching relate to my life right now? And uh, I'm going to be honest, you're not always going to have an answer to this question, particularly if you're reading the Old Testament. Uh, there's just a whole lot of things like, fellas, if you read about circumcision in the Old Testament, don't say that as, whoa, maybe I should do that. Um, I'm just letting you know that you don't have to. Uh, it's Old Testament, uh, so don't freak out. Um, not everything in the Old Testament applies to us. Not everything written um, in the Bible applies directly to us in the 21st century. And the reason why is because you're reading someone else's mail every time you read the Bible. Because it was written by someone for someone else at a specific time and a specific place. But while it's not written to us, it definitely can be helpful for us. And that's where kind of this final question is, is like, how do I respond? In light of the forgiveness that Jesus has taught us, to, um, taught us about, how might I respond? If you like, if you're holding a grudge against someone, then maybe your response to this question is, now I've got to forgive that person. I've actually got to reconcile with that person. This, your answer to this question will always look different. Sometimes it's going to be you actually, being, actually doing something and going out and saying something to someone else. Other times it's going to be you actually creating a habit and going, you're reading about generosity and you go, hey, when was the last time I gave? And you're like, I'm going to create a habit. I'm going to create a plan of giving generously to an organization. Other times you're going to read things like gossip and you're going to notice that, hey, I gossiped this week. I was slandering this guy. And um, you're actually going to go up to that person and you're going to apologize and even confess to God because you're like, hey, look, I messed up. I stuffed up. Reading the Bible will do that sometimes and will point you towards that, in that direction. Um, it helps show mistakes and correct you where you're wrong. And um, other times you're just going to read and you're going to be like, wow, God is real cool. Like, 
And um, all you're going to do is be like, wow, that's, I'm super thankful that God has done all this for me, that he loves me this much. Um, your response is going to look very different. Um, if you're an unchurched person and you read it, other times your response is just going to be like, ask more questions. Um, it's maybe coming to church more often. Maybe it's joining a connect group and going, finding out a little bit more about this God character who you're reading about. Finally, it kind of leads us to this all-important final step, which is respond. As I said, app, information without application does not result in life transformation. It's only information that is applied that will transform your life in an incredible way. And in the incredible way that God has planned for your life to be changed in. And so, they're the three steps. Ref read, reflect, respond. Download that Bible app if you don't have it, a Bible already. Begin reading Mark this week. And as you read through it, read, reflect, and respond. It may be a big step, step for you guys. Maybe you haven't read the Bible ever. Maybe you're like me and you just don't read it at all. I'm telling you that this is awesome if you um, apply it and you will see it slowly transform your way in an incredible way. And that you'll see that you actually become a more loving and a compassionate person. That slowly, bit by bit, day by day, week by week, that your thinking and your, um, what you believe in your heart is slowly being transformed in a way that you become a more compassionate and loving and honest and person who is filled with this hope and enthusiasm and you can't really explain it. But the more and more you live your life, you just find yourself uh, being this person who, who loves unconditionally, who uh, is a great parent, who is a great student, uh, who is a great friend, who is a great boyfriend, great girlfriend, you'll find yourself becoming this person who is filled with grace and extends that grace freely to others. You'll also discover that plan, hope, and future that God has for your life, and you'll discover that there is purpose to your life, that there is meaning to your life, and that you can walk confidently through this life knowing that God has an abundant life pictured for you. And that you can walk with the confidence, knowing that death has been defeated, that you have a gift, the gift of eternal life waiting for you because of all that Jesus has done. This is the hope and this is the journey that awaits you. All that you have to do is pick up your Bible and begin to read it. So I hope you do that. But um, we're going to bow our heads and pray and then we're going to jump into communion as we just talked about. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Uh, for what you've uh, given us through the Bible, uh, all the teachings, all the commands, um, all these stories, God. We just thank you for their relevance and importance. We just pray, God, that as we read the Bible, as we undertake reading it, Lord, that, um, that we would be slowly transformed by it, that we, you would help us to understand it, and that you would help us to apply it in our everyday lives. And that we would become people whom love and grace freely fl flow from. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.